Hi, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. This is episode number 67, where we hop in the Wayback Machine and take a look at an old Woodsmith project and talk about classic tools. I'm your host, Phil Huber. We're joined today, as always, by Logan Whitmer and John Doyle. Hope you enjoy today's show. This episode of the Shop Notes podcast is brought to you by Woodsmith Magazine. Woodsmith Magazine has been the trusted source for all your woodworking information for over 40 years. From tips and techniques to furniture projects to shop projects, you'll find it all at Woodsmith Magazine. Subscribe today at woodsmith.com. All right, so just prior to coming on the air here for the podcast, I came to my office and discovered a large box and in spite of all the warnings, decided to open it. And inside of it, for those who are watching on our YouTube channel, was this classic Woodsmith project, the original Woodsmith half-blind dovetail jig. It was built by one of our readers who sent in the original issue, mm -hmm. Woodsmith number 58, which for those of you who are scoring from home will remember as the August 1988 issue. Mm -hmm. um, one of our readers, Bob, Bob asked if he could send us his jig because he had built it long ago and did not want to see it go to waste. So mm -hmm. there you go. So August 88, you said? Yes. Is that the month and year Logan was born? <laughs> that is three months before I was born. Thank okay. you. All right. So right. It predates. So that thing is so old that it's probably fully blind by now. Mm -hmm. Yes, I believe so. That, that it is a full blind dovetail jig. Uh. <laughs> I will say that uh, I was a teenager back then, which mm -hmm. will probably surprise some of our readers and maybe not. Um, but I remember when my dad started subscribing to Woodsmith on the recommendation of one of our neighbors up the street, and he actually built this jig or a version of it. So mm -hmm. it's kind of a blast from the past for me because I remember dad being so excited about whenever a new issue of Woodsmith came in. And when you look at the older ones, you know, like this one is a little bit more magazine-y than earlier ones because some mm -hmm. of the early ones were essentially a an old school newsletter yeah it's only a few pages yeah mm -hmm. and even this one was 24 whopping pages and easily a third of it is on the dovetail jig and how to that, build it that was probably some like high-tech stuff back then like yeah. in the eighties, I don't know that like handheld routers were that common of a household item. It would probably have been a luxury woodworking item at that time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there was, I think Sears had a, had a dovetail jig that you could purchase. Otherwise you were, that was kind of it. So, mm -hmm. and then we even way back when went uh, the extra step and including uh, you could buy a hardware kit that we supplied that provided the dovetail template 
the eye bolts that were used on here. And these were modified eye bolts where the, the eyes were welded shut just to keep them from loosening up with the cam clamps that you make. Threaded inserts, uh, compression springs, steel pins, screws, machine screws, corner brackets with the holes and slots that were cut in them. So that was kind of crazy. Yeah. All for the low, low price of thirty-eight ninety-five. Wow. That's like $10,000 in today dollars. <laughs> <laughs> That's like six Dogecoin. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Right. So, I don't know probably. what the conversion is. Uh, you could even get it with the hard with the hardwood pieces too, because the clamp bars and the base and the cam clamps were all made out of maple, and that was fifty nine ninety five. Was that shipped or before shipping? Uh, Wells sure. Fargo, yeah, wagon brought it to town. You picked it uh, up down at the saloon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Had to go down to the general store, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it doesn't say anything about shipping here, so. Hmm. You just send a self-addressed stamped envelope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they also offered a quarter-inch template instead of just a half-inch one. Okay. Yeah, no, I remember Dad making that in the, uh, there was a bedroom set that mm. was built that used the drawers for this or used that jig for all the drawers. Yeah. Is it the cherry? Oh, the, the cherry yeah. bed set. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I remember that. There was a, there were, it was the bed, this dresser, a There's double a dresser, mm-hmm. like a, du- a lingerie, like a lingerie type cabinet. Wasn't it called or something like a tall yeah, lingerie? Yep. Narrow. I actually, that one I made as one of my first like legitimate woodworking projects was a version of that. I only had mm-hmm. two drawers and then a door down below because mm. ain't nobody got time to make that many drawers. But Right. So it was fun. There's a lot of good memories in, in this. So, and then uh, before our first child was born, I decided to make a dresser for our bedroom and then didn't end up finishing that dresser for like seven years. So I did all the drawer joinery using dad's version of that jig. So how did, how did it work? It actually worked really well. Like it was, um, I ended up making my own later on just cause I liked it so much and then I never used it. So I gave it away. So, so I guess here's the question, right? Where do you just thinking about that, like the dovetail jig? Where do you draw the line between deciding to buy a jig like that, sure, like a let's call it the the Lee jig or, or Porter cable version or mm-hmm. whoever's, and investing the time to make your own? Because I, I know most people's arguments are, you know, why would I spend the money to buy it when I could make it? like that however i think for the material the hardware and then the time invested i would be making out of sheer fun versus 
saving any form of money when you combine my time in with it, right? So we're, I guess where do you guys draw the line? Uh, yeah. If if I had to like whip out a kitchen or something and I didn't have time to mess around making the jig, I would probably buy it and just you know get to work. Yeah. But I I'm kind of like you that I just enjoy building jigs or goofy woodworking devices just for the the entertainment of it i don't know that's where i'm at i guess yeah. just kind of for entertainment purposes but yeah and as a former shop notes staff member we got that all the time with all of our shop built tools and jigs and mm -hmm. accessories and stuff where it's like why would you waste the money and or waste the money and time was the big thing when you could yeah. just be building furniture. And I feel like that was kind of a fool's question in the sense that I'm already woodworking. Like mm -hmm. that applies to furniture sure. too. Like why waste all that yeah. time by, you know, building your own furniture when you can just go right. out and buy it. Right. Sometimes yeah. for far, far cheaper. Yeah. So I, I guess I get, and I, I get that. And I guess to me, I have, I have a fairly low, reward for building jigs and stuff like i that's not that doesn't while i appreciate it some of that it's like you know i would i would rather be building furniture versus mm -hmm. oh sure jigs um so i it was just interesting because i was we were looking at it in your office phil it's like you know he bob had a was it bob valero yeah there you go that's yep. it yep. good job uh so Mr. Valero had had invested the time to build that jig, and I was looking at it. I'm like, you know, you got you got several hours into that jig making it. Oh yeah, where yeah, for sure. you know I could. I mean, you know, nowadays I could go on Craigslist, or Facebook Marketplace, probably buy a used dovetail jig pretty inexpensively. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it was just an interesting like, where's where where do you draw the line? Like, our shop built edge sander that's sitting on the set uh on the opposite wall of john you know right. that i think would cost you probably five or six hundred dollars to build it right mm -hmm. you know yeah. between buying the motor and all the then and then the time invested right uh where you could probably go buy i mean a new one's gonna be probably a thousand dollars i would guess um but you could probably find a used one um so there there's definitely some form of line where your enjoyment of building it outweighs any cost savings that you would have, or if you have the time on your hands, if you're retired, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. or if you just have free time, maybe you work a job that allows you to have a week off at a time, you know, on a schedule, mm -hmm. then I definitely see that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I would say when he built that in the late eighties, uh, Amazon didn't exist. The internet didn't exist. Like you didn't have yeah. all that stuff readily available, ship it in two days type thing. It was, you were as a woodworker, I think, um, you were probably, uh, had to build more jigs and yeah. deal with the tools that you had readily available to you. Hold on. Are you, are you telling me that the internet didn't always exist? <laughs> I think it did exist. I'm shook. We, uh, Al Gore just hadn't discovered it yet. Oh, right. okay. Yeah. Like it's always been there, <laughs> mm -hmm. but yeah. we just didn't know how to plug into it. Yeah. So. Hmm. Interesting. Well, Facts. it's like, you know, 
like like you watch uh so one of the youtubers that i i i follow loosely is izzy swan right mm-hmm. and he does a lot of shop made jigs and whatchamacallits and just stuff that doesn't really have any value except for the pure joy of building it and the entertainment value like the walking machine like he had a mm-hmm. walking machine that you stood on and rode and stuff like i mean super fun and cool no real value other than entertainment value which is i mean i'm not saying it's not a legitimate reason to build something it completely is uh but you know it's just some of the stuff from my standpoint i look at it, i'm like that's super cool i have no use to ever build that but it's super awesome that somebody can build it you know mm-hmm. yeah i think it depends also on the kind of i don't know your personality as a as a woodworker and how you're approaching the craft you know there are some people that are definitely real project oriented you know Mm -hmm. the purpose of getting involved in woodworking is to fill your house with furniture yep Mm -hmm. and or to improve your home or whatever and that's Mm -hmm. totally legitimate i also think that there is uh quite a number of people that get involved with the hobby uh because they're a little on the self-sufficient side Mm -hmm. you know it's the getting you know getting it yourself kind of mentality where you want to just provide for yourself and you're making a statement about our consumer disposable society and then i also think that there is a and and these all overlap i think in different ways too but there's quite a few woodworkers that are uh, just kind of tinkerers Mm -hmm. You know, they're going to fix their own car. They, you know, rescue lawnmowers from the side of the road and bikes out of the garbage and, um, you know, just like seeing things returned to use, Mm -hmm. you know, and they just, they like the, the mechanical problem solving challenge of it. Yeah. You know, which is it's funny because I definitely fall, I definitely fall into that last category. Like if I can figure out how to do something or read enough about how to do something, I'm going to try it. Like, Oh yeah. I will always, I will always, very first thing, furnace breaks. I'm tearing it apart myself instead of calling somebody, which is, you know, this is just a little self-reflection here that it's interesting to me that I do that because I'm not going to call a furnace repairman. I'm not paying somebody to come into my house and fix my furnace. Like, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. But then I'm like, you know, what? I'm going to buy a dovetail jig instead of build one. <laughs> it's, just, it's just this weird, like I'm having this weird self-reflection moment right now. <laughs> so yeah. It's like, I don't know why I do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's where you draw the line too. Like you won't build a dovetail yeah. jig, but you'll spend three times as long making an English miter plane. That's, and exactly. I was thinking about that. I was like, and I guarantee you people look at my, you know, my airplanes I've built and they're like, I'm never going to do that. That's stupid. Why would you do that? Which Mm -hmm. is, I mean, and I'm not saying that, you know, uh, Bob's dovetail jig or the woodsman dovetail jig, it doesn't make sense. It does completely like awesome little project. It's just, I don't want to build it. Mm -hmm. But I guarantee you somebody says that about the my airplanes and I love building those. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But yeah, you're pretty self-sufficient about, uh, hand cutting your own dovetails too. So you might not find the value in, in, uh, a jig like that. 
but yeah well yeah i don't know i mean i guess and i guess there is something to be said when you said you know there wasn't amazon or, or whatever that's true because there are some there are some products that there's just nobody makes makes good ones right mm-hmm. um like i was thinking about our uh our finger joint jig we did on the tv show uh, oh, yeah. last season two seasons ago two seasons ago yeah like how stupid simple is that how has somebody how has some manufacturer not started mass producing those oh yeah like, it's a completely idiot proof jig mm-hmm. i mean we we built it on the show that shows how idiot proof it is right <laughs> and it's like there's some things that just there is not they're not available um i was thinking you know that the one thing I could see would be, and that there are a few companies that would make them. Uh, if there was somebody that made uh, like a dovetail jig or a finger joint jig to do do- like a dovetail beehive boxes where you could do like a mass quantity of them at once, because it's not like you don't ever make one beehive box <laughs> at a time. You make, you make like 16 of them and it takes forever to do because you're making 16. How has somebody not made a, like a finger joint jig that spans, you know, 12 work pieces at once. And you just do the whole thing at once. <laughs> this sounds like a challenge. Let's I'm do looking it. at you woodpecker. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are, and there are people that make them. It's just not that big. So I, yeah. I, I see the need for, for some stuff that is not uh, mass produced or, mm. or not readily available. Yeah. So, yeah. And like, or you... if you oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, you mentioned woodpecker. It's like 20, 30 years ago, nobody was making like at least decent router tables. I mean, you could probably find like a Sears type thing, but it's like, there's a lot of that stuff that just wasn't mass produced. You just had to kind of make it on your own and like, uh, router tables and drill press tables. And you were, you had all these, uh, you know, some woodworking tools, but a lot of them were metalworking tools and you had to convert them to, to woodworking or. Mm-hmm. kind of to what you had. So you had to customize a lot of this stuff. And um, now there's just so many, so much stuff that's, you know, produced that you can find online and just all over the place. So, yeah, you know, and it, I will say I, we are lucky. Uh, we are, we have a pretty easy as far as getting a hold of tools here in the U S um, I I've shipped a lot of hand tools outside of the country uh there's a guy uh, that i've shipped a bunch of stuff down to like in argentina he's like i can't buy i can't buy woodworking tools i've shipped him hand planes um one time he bought like a brace from me so i included a couple <clears throat> egg beaters it's like i'm sending a box to argentina i might as well load this guy up with a bunch of stuff right yeah. so i threw a bunch of other tools in there so i i completely understand somebody that doesn't live somewhere that they can't get or I, I understand somebody building like something like this dovetail jig, if they live somewhere where they can't readily buy it or easily buy it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you go to like Hawaii or Alaska, something where stuff starts costing three or four times as much as it does here in the continental U.S. because of the shipping involved. So, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, I, I definitely get get that aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like uh, some of those uh, shop-built tools we've done, especially like the uh, sliding carriage panel saw, there's a lot of interest from yeah. Spanish-speaking countries or South America or Central America where you don't have access to 
some of the commercially made tools, but you have access to materials where you could build it. So it seems like you you're kind of right in that assumption that yeah. I mean we we have it good here, but you know not everywhere has access to to all the stuff we have. So yeah, I mean I think also in building your own shop jigs or tools that you develop a fundamental understanding and appreciation of that jig that's mm-hmm. going to carry into using it as well because you know what what all the parts are and why they're there you know and like this mm-hmm. dovetail jig is i mean it's maple some random hardware that you could find at just about every hardware store and it just and it does just one thing half blind dovetails and it does it really well you know and it's mm-hmm. Because it's solid maple, you know, it's pretty stoutly built. You know, it's not, yeah. you know, it's not a, a flimsy value engineered jig, you know, because there are low cost single purpose dovetail jigs out there and they're worth what you pay for them. Mm-hmm. Which is not a whole lot. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then, and you start building that stuff and you, you kind of figure out how, simple they are and they're not very complicated kind of like the um the pocket hole jig machine that i built a while ago just for the oh, the heck yeah. of it it's like mm-hmm. it's just a uh router and a straight bit that you know rocks on a pivot point and cuts pocket holes yeah so they're pretty simple sure mm-hmm. That's it. Chris Fitch, That's get it. on it. We need a shot made domino. <laughs> All right. But he has that on the matrix somewhere is doing a good shop built, you know, I mean, we also just a few issues ago had that horizontal mortising machine that Chris designed, Yeah, which I've used quite a bit and love it so much so that I'm making a version of my own. Uh, but I mean, I had a couple of letters saying that it was ridiculous that we would waste those pages in the magazine for a wooden mortising machine when you could go out and buy one for less than what it would cost to make that one. And I dispute yeah, that one, I dispute that cost. Yeah. I say that one functions. I don't think you, you can't buy one that functions like that though. I don't think. I don't right? like I, th- I think you I mean you could buy like horizontal mortisers. Right. Uh, but you can't build a, a good one like that. Because um, I, I, so I cut uh, a total of, what, two, four, probably 32 times four, whatever that is, to 120 some odd <laughs> mortises with it in these planter yeah. boxes that I'm doing. And they were, they were big. I mean, half inch by three and a half inches long by two inches deep. They're big mortises. Yeah. And, it works really, really well. Yeah. Uh, I did I did about halfway through decided I needed to stop and I sprayed some um, like uh, WD-40 silicone spray on the slides and worked it a little bit because it was getting a little sticky because the cedar I was using was a little sticky still. Right. Um, but oh my gosh, <laughs> it worked great. So, and again, to be completely clear, I'm not saying that somebody should not build the, the Woodsman Dovetail Jig. It just was an interesting... Yeah, uh, no, it's interesting crossover where like where you draw the line because I want to build the Woodsmith jig because I don't need it, but I'll tell you what, that Morrison machine's looking really, really tempting right now. <laughs> <laughs> like 
I will say there's a, there's a, it's interesting because you build a jig, like, you know, the, the mortising machine or the, the dovetail jig. And then as you use it, you're like, okay, now I understand why a lot of times Chris goes through, you know, version one, version two, version three, because there are just little things that yeah you would change. Like the, mm-hmm. the only thing I would change on the mortising machine that Chris built is I think it needs a little bit of a dust relief ledge cut into it. That's oh, the yeah. only thing that I could I could see that I would change on it. Um, and then it, uh, you could go super crazy and customize it for work that you're doing because I was doing mortises in the ends of um, some rails that were 60 inches long by six inches wide. Well, you, you need a lot of outfeed support to do that end mortise. Yeah. So it's like I, I had like hand screws clamped, clamping parts down and stuff. But if you were going to build one and if I was going to build one, I would make some form of outfeed support on it. So, uh, so you could hold long parts, but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I can see why people like to build jigs (laughs) and whenever we do polls for the magazine shop projects always are high. Oh yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. because I guess most people have a shop. So, Yeah. yeah. Well, and at, at, at that point, it becomes project agnostic in the sense that, you know, if we show a bookcase that's in a craftsman style on the cover, if you're not interested in a craftsman bookcase, then you're out, you know. But yeah. if I show a crosscut sled on the cover, I can use that to build craftsman style bookcases or mid-century yep. modern coffee tables or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Or to build a woodsmith dovetail jig. Right. Yeah. Or the Woodsmith Dovetail Jig, which was on the cover. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I find it immensely fun. And I think uh, part of it is that I, you know, we get to see some of the projects here and in use. And there's a curiosity factor on my point, my part where I will, I've built, I don't know, several jigs just because I thought they were super cool. You know, I guess it's, to me, it's almost the same as staying up too late watching infomercials on TV and all of a sudden you've got <laughs> stuff being delivered to your house, you know, because you can't yeah. put the credit card away or something. Yeah. Um, so I've done the shop equivalent of that and made a bunch of jigs that I thought I would use every day and ended up not using them and then giving them away or whatever. But, you know, like we talked about that adjustable finger joint jig earlier, and yeah. I just did a class for the Des Moines Woodworkers where we... Uh, we're making a small box and we used a, a router table finger joint jig for half of the boxes and then that adjustable finger joint jig. And the people in the class that were using that jig had never used it before and set it up, routed the parts. They went together right off the tool. Like yeah. there was just no, they just went together. And people sure. were just flabbergasted that it could be. Uh, well, and when you like see that. it, when you see it, you're like, duh, of course it works. <laughs> like, How would like, it not work? Yeah. Well, like when we built it for the show, I'm like, this is dumb. And not, and not, not saying this is dumb, but like, this is like, this is not going to work. And then you, you use it and you're like, huh? Yeah. Like, why wouldn't it work? It's perfect. Like there's. Yeah. Duh, <laughs> you know, 
but it looks like the uh and you know sneak peek we're doing a couple uh we're doing an episode this season season 15 right we're in 15 yep, right 15 uh that is building two jigs for the table saw uh one of them is specialty well they're both specialty ones yeah but the one in particular is a rabbiting a rabbit joint jig a locking rabbit jig for the table saw and we john where did you find it was it like was it in the basement, in basement of yeah yeah i think so 50 down in the pile of forgotten things yeah, it was like a pile of stuff that had been built for the magazine at one point, and it got buried. And John found it, and <laughs> so I did a video on it for, like, YouTube or something, mm-hmm. using yeah. it on, on the table saw. And, and you did it cold, though, too. Yeah. It's yeah, like, oh, I've yeah, never, never seen this it. before. Yeah. yeah. It's like, let's so figure it, it like, out. Well, like, trying to figure out how to use this thing on video, and once I did it, I'm like, holy crap, this thing worked great. <laughs> and it was, like, halfway through the video – I, we're all looking at it. I'm like, what? I don't know what this is for. Like, I, there's one function on Jiggle. I can't figure it out. And then, like, halfway through filming, I'm like, hey, I figured it out. Like, it's <laughs> like, I, I know what it's for. It works. Yeah. So, so there are, like, there are particular jigs where, you know, I kind of have a list in my head. Like, I, I have some other projects I need to do first. But, like, that rabbit jig for the table saw, it works phenomenally well. Mm-hmm. And... Like that's on that one in particular is on my list to build because it works so nicely. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of big. It's like the size of a crosscut sled, you know? So, I mean, yeah. yeah, it takes up some real estate when you store it. Uh, but man, for doing locking rabbit joints and you're, if you're doing a bunch of them. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Cause usually when I would do locking rabbit joints, um, I had the luxury of having, two different table saws in the building. So I was going back and forth between yep. the two table saws and different setups. But you just, with that one, you just set up the table saw once and then you set up the sled to do the different uh, functions of, or parts yeah. of the, uh, of the drawer. So it's nice I guess that's the part up, that so. just, I loved about that jig so much is seeing it in use was how, because you're right. Normally when you do a locking rabbit joint, it's like you have to do all of this step first. Mm-hmm. But in order to know whether you did that step right, you have to do the other step, which is a totally different setup. Mm-hmm. Yep. And if you got it wrong, then you are essentially starting over. Yep. But this one, it's, you know, you can take care, you can do a test piece, a test corner joint without changing anything on your saw, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Like the entire setup. And for people that don't know what jig we're talking about, I'm sure we'll link it on the show notes page, but it's like, it looks like a crosscut sled basically, but there's a couple of flip stops on it and it allows you to, uh, make a dado and then you form a tongue and then you cut a groove in the end of the front. And then there's another setting to nip the tongue off to fit in that groove. So you can, do the entire locking all parts of the locking rabbit joint with the sled without changing any setup, which is super great because then you can, you can dial in everything and then you can make, you know, a thousand drawer parts that are exactly the same that the joint fits. I mean, it just, it's, it works well. It's, you know, and I have to, I have to imagine because Chris Fitch has designed a lot of these. 
I, I have to imagine if there's any warm spots in his heart, it is for Jigs. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's told right. me that, that he, while he enjoys the process of designing furniture projects, mm-hmm. it's a lot more, it's a lot more labor on his part to do those. Whereas the doing the shop built machines or the jigs or the tools, uh, reaches deeper into his soul where he, he finds a happy place and being able to figure out, you know, like you said earlier, figuring out those iterations and, you know, like, nope, this doesn't work. Yep. This works, but now this needs to be a little modified or whatever. And, figuring out those steps and doing it in a way that, you know, cause it would be really easy to do a shop built tool that cost way more than a commercial one. And oh, yeah. You're doing it out of a labor of love, but he's doing it in a, with the, with the idea of this is for somebody who enjoys the process. Yes. But can actually end up saving you money. Yes. You know, which is why on the shop built edge sander, we have, the rollers are made out of a stack lamination of Baltic birch plywood, mm-hmm. you know, or. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, I, I, I said that, you know, building something like that, that woodsmith dovetail jig, you know, you could quite easily spend more in time and labor and parts than what you could buy a commercial one for. But on the, on the flip side, projects only have to be as expensive as you want them to be. Or as you allow them to be, I guess. Like, (laughs) I'm saying this to Phil, who has been known to edge glue plywood together (laughs) to get a bigger sheet. So, like, if, well, no, like, like, I think if somebody wanted and and they they said in their head, like, hey, I really want to build build that edge sander, but I don't want to invest the, you know, 600 bucks to buy the, buy the plywood, buy the parts you could piece that together over a course of a year or two with offcuts from other projects. Oh yeah. Like yeah. there's no reason you could, you had to go out and buy full sheets of plywood to make that. You could wait until you had parts and make it. And if you didn't want to buy the motor from electricmotors.com like we did, mm-hmm. you keep an eye on Facebook or uh, yeah. Craigslist marketplace, you could find a motor that you could salvage out of something. I would sure think pretty cheaply, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. You can haunt so, a resale shop and find, Oh yeah. You know, like exercise equipment or whatever and get a, yeah. you know, just yeah. harvest parts off of. People will complain to me about like the cost of a jig or like the drill press table that I built recently. It's like, you don't have a little scrap of, uh, plastic laminate laying around or like the little pieces of plywood or all these threaded knobs just in the drawer. It's like, are you even a real woodworker? It's like, save up all your scraps. This is what you've been saving for. Yeah. All the little pieces of Baltic birch and MDF. Yes. It's like scraps assemble. This is your time to shine. So. Well, okay. On the, on the flip side, you know, stepping away from jigs for a second same thing with projects, right? Like just because the gentleman's dresser that Phil is still working on cost us. No, is it done? No, I'm still working on it. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. I, it's I thought that was a no, it's done. It's, yeah. No, uh, it's... Like that was quarter on white Oak. And that was probably, that was probably over a thousand dollars in white Oak. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh like, yeah. I'm sure easily. I mean, 
you know, just because we showed it in Coruscant White Oak, that doesn't mean you have to go and build it out of Coruscant White Oak. You could go build it out of, you know, Alder and have it cost a, a quarter of the price. Oh, yeah. So, you know, just a little ranting because yeah. I know people are always upset when we use an, an expensive material. Right. Um, that doesn't mean that's what you have to build it out of. You can yeah. get as cheap as you want. Even for our jigs, it's like they're all built out of, you know, uniform Baltic birch and hard maple and this and that. Because it photographs and, well. Right, because yeah. we're photographing it. But it's like you can mix and match and or use MDF or mm-hmm. uh, just, you know, uh, cheaper plywood or, you know, as long as it's flat and yeah. it'd be just fine. So, yeah. And, you know, a lot of times that's why we end up painting the jig, too, because, A, it transforms it from something like, oh, you built that, to you built that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's always like Chris's uh, shop made. I'm, I'm a little disappointed that he didn't do that on the edge sander, although Steve built that edge sander, so maybe that's why. Uh, he's, the ones Chris had built um shot made machines he always did that hammered paint where it's like that looks like that thing's like straight up made out of sheet metal like it looks like it came out of the kennedy tool chest factory you know right Right. yeah it's just super cool you have to explain to people no this is shot made it's yeah it's mostly mdf yeah Yeah. or mdf it's just painted to look like metal and yeah so Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we and it's fun because we have a lot of those projects in use now in the shop. Mm-hmm. So it's fun to, you know, when people come for tours, is to be able to be like, oh yeah, Chris designed that. That's a shop built project. That's Sander. Yep. That sliding cutoff grinding station, totally shop made. Nope, it's not cast iron. It's just painted plywood. Really? Weighs like yep. cast iron though because it's yeah. MDF. <laughs> <laughs> So there you go. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's wrap this up with a project update. As Logan alluded to already, I still have not finished that craftsman dresser. Although I'm this close now, I'm down to like those little punch list items. Like I bought L-shaped shelf pins to hold the shelves. But the shelves that we made were sized for like a nice fit. So now I have to cut off like, you know, three sixteenths off the end of it or use regular shelf pins or something like that. So I'm trying to decide whether I want to just get regular shelf pins and use them that way or trim them down. Plus I also have a request to add a couple of more shelves and what we have ready with it. So, so like change orders cost extra. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Which reminds me, how are you doing on your drawers and doors for your office? I'm not. <laughs> so we're in sawmilling season, so everything else is on hold. Right. <laughs> I am working on these raised planter beds for, for a friend of mine, for his wife, for Mother's Day. So I have a deadline on those. Those will get done. Um, but yeah, we're in sawmilling season. I've been selling lumber, cutting lumber, um, sold some stuff what two weeks ago to a, a listener of ours nelson uh he i told him i was like i cannot get him and john together ever because they have the exact same sense of humor funniest guy in the world super nice guy he came out uh he bought some walnut off me 
And I liked it because he wanted to do some barter. So I ended up with a, uh, I sold him the lumber, but took some off because we ended up with a, I ended up with a woodpecker drill press table. Have not installed it yet, but I need to. And I also ended up with an uni pizza oven from him. And I think in trade for that, I'm going to saw a couple logs that he has. Uh, but it was super fun to, to meet him and do that. Uh, yesterday, I actually took the day off and we cut uh, one of my arborists that I worked with. And I we cut, I would guess, I didn't measure it. There was four, four really big uh, bur oak logs that we cut and then some smaller stuff so i'm guessing we're we have close to a 1500 board feet of quarter sawn white oak in wow. his trailer right now that we're yeah. gonna have to unload and stack at my house this evening so it was a fun day i went through i don't know five or six bandsaw blades um i only found i found seven nails in one log that was wow. it so it nice. actually wasn't too, yeah they were they were yard trees so i assumed i was gonna find a bunch of metal yeah but with just one log had seven nails. I hit them once and then I was able to cut past them. So, so yeah, it was fun. So cool. If we need some course on white oak, it'll be for sale in a year. <laughs> Gentleman stressor. <laughs> or right. now if you want to dry it yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Deep discounts for wet lumber. Just yep. sell it, sell it by the pound. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> John, you got anything you're working on? Uh, so last spring, uh, we were in quarantine and I was building a playhouse swing set for the kids and last summer it was fully functioning except for, you know, some trim and doors and, uh, part of the railing and kind of lost momentum on that. And the kids kept bugging me to work on it or paint it. And I'd be like, oh, it's, it's too hot to paint or it's too wet to paint or it's too cold to paint now so we're we've come full circle so they've kind of got me back uh focused on that and the other thing is when we had the derecho come through i couldn't get uh fence pickets because it had blown all our fences away so they were a lot of stock and the the uh railing slats were made from fence pickets so um back now working on some of the trim work and uh finishing that up for them we've had some warm weekends so i've been able to be out there and tinker around with it yeah but that's about I was it. sure i was sure you're gonna say that you're disassembling it to triple your money right by reselling the lumber yeah, yeah it's fully dried out ready for anybody to uh start building it's probably like ten thousand dollars in in lumber by <laughs> now by, it is. by today's standards <laughs> I, I i bought in low last yeah. last spring yeah. before it's an investment things got nutty so yeah. Even even then, last spring, the people were building decks, and it seemed like I'd go to the lumber yard, and you know, mm -hmm. all the decking would be gone one day if I didn't get there right in the morning. And so, even even a year ago, it was starting to get a little nutty, but the prices hadn't skyrocketed yet. So, but so it was a good investment. I can disassemble, like you said, and turn my money on it, and yeah, do something else. <laughs> There you so, go. Yeah. So. All right, that wraps it up for another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. Just a reminder, you can watch the podcast on our YouTube channel, Woodsmith Shop. You can also check out our show notes page where we'll have some links and photos of some of the other things that we've been talking about in today's episode. 
Uh, if you have any questions, comments, or smart remarks, you can leave those in the YouTube video, or you can send them to us by email, woodsmith at woodsmith.com. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next week on the Shop Notes podcast. Bye, everybody. This episode of Shop Notes Podcast is brought to you by Woodsmith Plans. You'll find nearly a thousand plans covering everything that you'd want to build. From furniture projects to gift projects, kitchen accessories, workshop projects and jigs and more. Find your next project at woodsmithplans.com.